And then especially when you're looking out for snakes, there's been times where you're like, oh, Dude. don't put your hand up there. You haven't looked yet. I hated that climbing in the rims because it's like, okay, there's a ledge. I can definitely get a hold of that and right. get myself up here. But if it's flat, it's real estate. Mm-hmm. Like that's, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's for sure. And all the inner tube trips down the river. <laughs> That's so sketchy. I don't know how we didn't die. <laughs> so sketchy. We'd roll down to Les Schwab and just beg them to give us the inner tubes out of semi truck driver. Uh. <laughs> like, and they didn't give us the the good ones. Oh no, you know. And then it was like it would sort of blow up on one side and not on the other oh, side. Yeah. yeah, blow them up and go get in the river and uh, start duct taping all the <laughs> holes that we put in them from blackberry bushes and. Um, There's always rattlesnakes sure. in the blackberries too. That's, oh man, I remember the first time I saw a rattlesnake swim. Yeah, it scared the bejesus out of me. I was like, I don't know if I can go in the river. Doesn't anymore. seem fair. I know it's that like, was not. Can't we have one safe space? <laughs> <laughs> These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. Sig is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, Sig Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, Sig Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military, the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. When did people start putting stickers on water bottles, do you think? I don't know. I think people just kept getting stickers. And they're like, where do we put these? There's definitely a time when that happened. When you're an adult, you don't just put stickers on windows anymore. You're like, what should I do with them? Yeah. And somebody started it, and everyone was like, this is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you can, you know, show off all the places you've been. It's like a conversation topic, obviously. You've traveled quite a bit. A lot, yeah. But let's start at the beginning. The beginning of travel or no. the beginning of my life? The beginning of Mona. <laughs> we were just talking about this this morning with Grandma. Okay. About when I was born in January. And my dad had that, like, two-wheel drive maroon Chevy that if you slowed down, they were probably going to get stuck because we they lived up to Lick Creek. Okay. In the middle of winter. Like Lick Creek Cabin? Um, Not the guard station. No, like that the house you have to, like, climb to up on the bench on to Lick Creek. I don't, it's not Lick Creek. Not Lick Creek. What are you saying? I don't know. Lake so Creek? Lick Creek. <laughs> 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 okay so was there a cow camp up there yeah it was a house yeah. i wouldn't even call it a cow camp really i don't even know where dad went i mean obviously i don't remember much i hiked up there later when i was probably in middle school how would you define a cow camp i don't know i guess Cayuse sounds like a cow camp but Tully creek would have been a cow camp too yeah 
Cayuse was always my cow camp. Yeah. Or the way station that we lived in, which was like not a house. I don't even know how people are like, oh, let's pack uh, two beds in a way station. Yeah. That's where Buck burned his butt. <laughs> tell me about tell me about <laughs> that structure. I remember it. <laughs> I remember that thing uh, being uh, so, loose, loosely built. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have very faint memories, but like the beds were pretty much close together. There was like a little alleyway between the two beds. They put a wood cook stove in there somehow. And then Buck would just like pee out the door. <laughs> and then, then he burned his butt. He turned around too fast or something. <laughs> but like you could wake out and sit on your bed at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you be weighing cows for those who don't know? Um, I, well, like to for sale or market or like yeah. a lot of the, the drivers too, they have to know like how much to, they're hauling. Yeah. Especially coming down that steep grade. And you're selling them by the pound. If they're brakes all. Yeah. So you're you're a canyon kid. You yeah. grew up in the canyons. Um, tell me a little bit about Imnaha. Um, I like to describe Imnaha where the sun like falls down. It doesn't rise or it doesn't set. It's like you're sitting there and you watch it sink because you're on one side. It's like I didn't realize how depressing some people find the canyons because you can't see out. The sun doesn't come up till late in the in the winter and in the summer it's just brutally hot. Um, yeah, so wintertime, sun's coming up 10.30 in the morning-ish. Yeah. And then a lot of times it's down by 2. Yeah. it's and So, yeah, so you're in a – it's pretty dark most of the time. But, yeah. Um, yeah, canyons, I feel like you just get used to not seeing a very long distance. <laughs> you're, yeah. like, enclosed in. But it's a security for me. It was interesting when I start first started coming out of living outside of the canyons and not having to walk and look for rattlesnakes. Right. That took me years to break. I, it took, I always had to look at my feet for a really long time. Yeah. I noticed this year a little bit when I was hunting that um, I look at the ground everywhere I go. And I think that I'm interested in, in tracks a right. little bit too much. Yeah. Um, but I get busted by elk quite a bit because I don't have my eyes up mm. when I'm looking. I have my mm-hmm. eyes down. So I've been trying to find that balance. I'm also obsessed with trying to walk quietly. Right. So if I accidentally step on a rock that wobbles or a stick that breaks or, God mm. forbid, a pine cone, <laughs> it just kills me. I feel like such a failure of a human oh, if I step on a pine you cone are, in the woods. for sure. But if you have your eyes up looking around, you're, yeah. it's going to happen. I so. know. You got to get yourself some moccasins or something so you feel it before you step. Yeah. I've heard that theory. I think that's a Louis L'Amour <laughs> thing. I think he, I think Louis L'Amour wrote that, and then we're like, oh, that's how it works. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I did. Uh, I skinned like the hawks off of the moose that I shot last year because they sort of have that elbow-shaped joint right there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had read that that was, for a couple reasons, the best place to skin to make moccasins because it already has a natural bend for your heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lower legs of a moose tend to be the most waterproof leather on the whole animal oh, because wow. that's the part that's in the water because yeah. they're such a submerged species. I forget about how much species. they yeah. yeah. I have not done anything with those yet, but <laughs> I have that intention. Yeah. So how many people live in Imnaha-ish? Um, you know, it's funny when people ask that question. I say like 100 to 150 in like a 30-mile radius. <laughs> right. So like, but in the town, probably like 50 or so. I don't know. The Imnaha school, I think it, the most kids that were ever there were 24. Okay. How many kids were there when you were there? I mean, I think mostly it was in the teens. 
by the time I, I think I was the last one that graduated from the eighth grade because then Hope went up to high school or to middle school right? when I went into high school. And then they took it down to like, I think they just go to the sixth grade now. Okay. So but, it was K through eight then. It's yeah. K, K through six now. Yeah, it would range from like eight to 20. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. just kind of depended on when people came and so, went. So there might be like two or three kids in, in your class. Um, yeah, one, two years I had someone in my class. Mark Bargaining was, we were in kindergarten together for okay. the first half of the year, and then he moved up to the Joseph. Gotcha. That was heartbreaking for me. <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs> I would, I would t- talk him into teeter-tottering every s- recess. Yeah. He was sick of it. He's like, Mona, I want to go play with the boys. <laughs> and I was like, let's teeter-totter. <laughs> and then I didn't have anyone in my grade until, I think, sixth grade. So living in some of these kind of shabby cow camps in a remote area, and when we're talking 30 miles, folks, it's not like like that means that you can drive it in 30 minutes. No, yeah. Um, you know, that to drive 30 miles, like say if you're to drive to Doug Bar from Imnaha, I think that's about 30 miles. Right. Might only be 20. I don't know. It's hours. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, it, it can take It can take two and a half, yeah. you know, if it's if it's muddy or snowy, oh man, there was some like four hours. Yeah, mudslides. We'd have to take the horses out of the trailer or the back of the truck when they put them in the back of the truck. And Dad would like drive over the mudslide. Yeah, we'd reload the horses. Right, man. Yeah, yeah. it was like you never wore a seatbelt just in case, or yeah, or just crossing the. We went up the cow camp on. Um, where is it? The hills are at now. Horse um, Creek. Yeah, we would just we'd have to ford the river there. Yeah. And, Water would be coming in on the floorboards, and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Those yeah. old, raggedy old ranch trucks. Oh, so sketchy. Oh, my gosh. I was just telling Grandma, we had one that the passenger door would just randomly pop open every yeah. once in a while. So you had to, like, kind of hold it. But we were all squeezed in there one time, and Buck was, of course, at the door. Yeah. Because he got to open all the gates. And it popped open, and he, like fell out and like started running and I was laughing so hard and he hates it when you laugh at him when he's like scared <laughs> Mona knock it off oh that's pretty funny it was great no that's the that's the way of it for sure oh, gosh I remember some of the sketchy old trucks that dad had and mm. you know we'd shoot an elk in some place that we should just like <laughs> go go cut it up and pack it to the truck right and, like that's the move. No. No, definitely not. Like if, if they could get a truck to it, um, they were going to. Mm. And, uh, you know, just different times, right? Mm. Um, and it's not, it's not like we're road hunting. We were just taking sketchy old ranch trucks in places that you would not think a truck could go. They and shouldn't have. I remember driving up some of the buttes and stuff, and he'd just put it in like first gear, four-wheel low, and just mm. let it idle. And uh, he still makes fun of me about it, but I would I would lean forward and hold onto the dashboard because I thought the truck was going to tip over backwards. Yeah, it's like if you if you think if you adjust your body weight a little bit, maybe you won't roll down the hill. Sure, <laughs> there's it, there's a chance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So growing up in this crazy steep canyon, remote, not a lot of people living in these, these shabby little cow camps and, you know, way stations and, you know, just crazy environment, you know, having to watch for rattlesnakes when you're on the playground mm. and all that. How do you feel like that developed you as a person? Oh, man. Like, I feel like 
my independence is different than maybe a lot of kids or like my problem solving skills and like just trying to like make stuff work whether or not something went wrong or you did something wrong and you had to cover it up real fast before your parents got home it was like you had to do some major problem solving skills a lot of times like whether yeah whether you had to put a ranch truck back together <laughs> sure and it, and it's with whatever you have yeah mostly baling twine not, i miss baling twine not like oh, let's order that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that was an option until like so much later in life. Like, oh, you can just like replace the thing what? that's broken. Like that's not real. No, like my husband and stepson, they're from Southern California and they're just still amazed by the amount of duct tape that I keep everywhere in the house in my truck. Yeah. It works for everything. You can fix some stuff with duct tape. Man, yeah. that's the thing. Brailing crying and duct tape. Yeah. You're good to go. So we, I think, yeah, resourcefulness. We, uh, we cracked a tank transmission in Afghanistan, um, pulling it out, and uh, it wouldn't hold, you know, the giant amounts of transmission fluid that go inside of a tank. And it was going to be a while before we could get a new one. So uh, I had JB Weld that my friend Will had sent me, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "Well, let's try and fix it with JB Weld." And they're yeah. like, "That's not going to work." <laughs> I was like, "Well, you know what? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm open to other ideas." <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it worked i'm sure that that was illegal but it worked yeah um you know we made it through the week and then we got our new transmission and rolled on but uh so what about what about hiking around in canyons um and i think people still don't have an image of what what these canyons are like so think about like everest except it's a desert right yeah yeah it's like yeah. That. I was actually thinking of that the other day. I was walking Boomer at one of the rest stops coming up, and like I had to like side hill in this little gully that he was trying to walk in, and I was like, like I I don't think I've you've side hilling in the canyons is just different. Like your ankles, you're like <laughs> rolling things. Like yeah. there's just I think that was the thing. Like there's just nothing flat. Yeah. Ever. My ankles are one of the only flexible body parts that I have. Um, and I don't know if they're both just shot and always have been, but, uh, I can, I can walk on the steepest stuff out there and my feet will be flat on the hillside. And if I hit a rock and they roll a little bit more, it doesn't hurt. It's not a thing. Right. And I'm sure that that's not flexibility because that's not something that I'm good at. Um, but you, your body learns how to how to walk on that. And there's jokes mm-hmm. about Canyon cows, like having, right. you know, legs that are shorter on one side than they are on the mm-hmm. other. And then, you know, they can only walk left for their whole <laughs> life or whatever. But, yeah. Mm. So the, the fitness aspect of hiking around in canyons, it changes what you look at and think of as capable. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at something that you're going to have to climb a thousand vertical feet for every half mile. Right. Um, a lot of people would consider that like rock climbing or at mm-hmm. least an approach. Um, there's definitely an aspect of a little rock climbing for sure. There, I mean, I've been stuck sure on a couple be. cliffs on our hikes. <laughs> Especially coming back down. Yeah. Right? It's even, it, that's true. Yeah. Coming Going back up, down is like, the worst. Yeah. And then especially if you're looking out for snakes, there's been times where you're like, oh, don't put your hand up there. You haven't looked yet. I hated that climbing in the rims because it's like, okay, there's a ledge. I can definitely get a hold of that and right. get myself up here. But if it's flat... It's real estate. Mm-hmm. Like that's, ugh. yeah, yeah. No, it's for sure. And all the inner tube trips down the river <laughs> was so sketchy. I don't know how we didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so sketchy. We'd roll down to Les Schwab, 
and just <laughs> beg them to give us the inner tubes out of semi truck driver. Uh. <laughs> like, and they didn't give us the the good ones. Oh no! You know, and then it was like it would sort of blow up on one side and not on the other oh, side. Yeah. yeah, blow them up and go get in the river and uh, start duct taping all the <laughs> holes that we put in them from blackberry bushes and um, there's always rattlesnakes sure. in the blackberries too that's oh man i remember the first time i saw a rattlesnake swim yeah it scared the bejesus out of me i was like i don't know if i can go in the river doesn't anymore. seem fair i know it's that like, was not can't we have one safe space <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember about the bear and rattlesnake feed um, you know, we didn't go to it too much. I, I only remember like one year actually going and I remember, I think it's cause my parents were pretty conservative and it was a pretty wild event, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we always, they always did the rodeo. So I always did that. Right. And I just remember like how bony the rattlesnake meat was. Right. And like, it wasn't fun. Like you just had to pick out so many bones. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thing. It's, it's a lot of, cool, of like, being like a lot of work. I ate a rattlesnake. But what else are you going to do with a rattlesnake? Yeah. And bear's pretty good. Sometimes it's super gamey, though. I don't know if I'm yeah. a big bear fan. Yeah, I like fall bears. Spring, yeah. spring bears are pretty I mean, tough to eat. I mean, I think I was at the age where, like, ice cream was just more of a thing for me. <laughs> I mean, has, does that change? <laughs> no, it's still a thing. <laughs> for okay. sure. Okay, so you learn how to hike around then this unbelievably steep stuff just to just to live and move places. And then you get to move up to the valley for high school. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that... Uh, that hills doing hill work is speed work in disguise for sure did that turn out to be true for you um yeah I think I was I just like I mean we played on the little playground in Nahala and everyone always said I was like fast and all that kind of stuff but I never I mean there wasn't anywhere flat to run or so I, I do remember like I was like oh I'm faster than I thought I was or when you actually run against other people. Yeah. You're faster <laughs> than a buck who runs with his arms like straight out. So you can't yeah. get past him, but you were faster than everyone. Oh, I don't know about everyone. I mean, I definitely had speed. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of coaching through it and I was re- really flat footed on my left foot. <laughs> I remember like the first, um, I went out for volleyball in my freshman year and we had to run around the gym and everyone's like, who's running so loud. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> and it turned out to be me, but I'd never ran on anything hard before. Yeah. I mean, we started the asphalt that about knocked me out down there, but right. you can hear yourself run ever. And then I didn't start doing track until my junior year. Junior year of high school? Mm-hmm. And how'd that go? And then I loved it. I was like, oh, why didn't I do this before? Probably because yeah. I heard so many horrible stories about Joseph, track coach, making people throw up. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was but like, I don't want to throw up. You haven't really shied from hard work ever. <laughs> no, that's true. So then you ended up running in college. Yeah, and that was just kind of a walk-on thing. I definitely was, I mean, actually my volleyball coach did this too. It's pretty ridiculous the amount of times people referred to me as a Rudy. Hmm. And I was like, well, if it's kind of like, you know, if, if I could get the heart of that girl and put her in a faster girl... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Thanks, guys." I don't know if that's really a compliment. I don't know. Like, I guess it is to an extent. I think they're trying to be complimentary. I was shooting at Nordic Biathlon in Maine, and the shooting I'm decent at. The skiing I'm below average, to say the least. And one of the coaches (laughs) just kind (laughs) of wanted to throw me a compliment, but wanted to be honest at the Uh same time. And he just shakes his head and he goes. 
you've got a hell of an engine. <laughs> <laughs> like Jassy transmission. <laughs> yeah, some of that's lacking, but <laughs> your ratio is definitely wrong. <laughs> and you're like, thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm trying. I'm glad that you can see that I'm trying. Yeah. At the college level, I definitely wasn't a huge competition, but... I don't know. I like teamwork. It always it gave me something to do. Kept me in shape through college, and I don't know. I kind of fell into like a leadership um, role on the team, and that was kind of always yeah. where I like to be, anyways. So a couple misconceptions that urban folks tend to have about people that grow up in really rural places: one is that they're uneducated, mm-hmm. which I think is is doubly wrong because since there isn't access to the entertainment that there is in urban places you're going to read books right if you're stuck in a cabin someplace you know watching a herd of cows it doesn't really want to be there so many old readers digest just sitting around like yeah you're gonna read (laughs) yeah you're gonna read voraciously Mm -hmm. um that's something that you and i both have in common and then uh the other thing is that they they tend to think that people in those rural places just stay there right but you got the travel bug and you have really moved around the world I have yeah I think what was it my first um, travel was to Jordan and Israel for a three-month mission with a group called Teen Mission International International when I was 14 and ever since then I was like man this is the thing I want to do like I think coming from such a small town and then suddenly having like this worldview that was just like totally blown open and like understanding different cultures and yeah seeing different sights and smells and it was like I was like man this is the thing for me and then it didn't take a while it I had to like course college and all that kind of stuff and then and then like yeah my goal was just to travel to as many different countries as as I could mostly visiting friends which was awesome yeah where else have you been um so following um I went to India for three months and um, worked this little, or volunteered this little cafe and helped teach English. My favorite student was a, a monk from Bhutan. He was the best student. I was probably the worst teacher. You don't realize how hard English is until you try to teach it. It's the most ridiculous language. I'm so glad it's my first language. Yeah. And then after that, let's see, I went to Guatemala, um, the Philippines, Kenya, China, Iceland. Yeah. Most of those are countries that I wasn't a huge fan of you going to. Yeah. You were, you were not a. It's like (laughs) Canada's nice. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I hear good things about Ontario. (laughs) What are you doing? Going to Kenya. Gosh. Well, you had a different interpret. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your viewpoint was was different, which I mean, not that it was bad, but you were like, hey. Everything isn't like, well, in India, it was really kind of a shock in the face for that. Like yeah, within to... the first two weeks of being in India, I was, had a physical attack. And um, luckily, I'd just finished working for two years in a boy's prison. So, yeah, um, you... I was in, I think. He yeah. attacked the wrong gal. He did. It was the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> some, some Indian dude got his ass kicked. Oh, man. I mean, you can't have long hair and think you can like football tackle somebody without getting your hair ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> That was the only thing that came to my mind when he tried to he tried to do like a football tackle around my waist and I kind of straight legged and um, I had a whole bunch of stuff I had like stuff in my backpack and my hand so I'd only had one free hand 
And I just grabbed his hair and I was like, well, where the head goes, the body's got to follow. And yep. I just ripped it down to the ground. And then I started running and he started running after me. And then I kind of started getting scared. But we were on a pretty public road. So I was like, he, he didn't have a big window of opportunity. So then I just turned around and started yelling at him. Yeah. <laughs> Eye contact. He's kind of freaked out about that. So. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, you, I think, wrote me a letter close to every day that I was an officer candidate school. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible thing you did for me. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, mail is such a huge thing. So, folks, if there's anybody in your life that's uh, that's in the military, if they're going through tough training or if they're deployed, man, I'll, there's nothing like a letter. It isn't. Well, and I remember that when I went on my first trip. I was three months. I was 14 years old, and I was gone for three months from right. my family. Like, it's weird to forget what people's voices sound like. Yeah. And, you like, you miss them, and you're just like, wait. Like, it's a weird sense of homesickness. And I like to write, too. And so it was, it was fun, you know, just being able to share that. And, but I know, I knew what letters yeah. felt like when you got them. And if you are reading something from someone, you read it in their voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It brings right. it back. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. That's thing. true. I actually did later. When were I say? I think that was when I was working up at the boys prison. I did like a adopt a soldier yeah. letter writing thing. He wrote, he sent me like one picture of like some sort of Afghani spider, camel spider thing. I don't know. It's crazy. I hated those spiders. And then I think he only sent me one other thing. And I, so I had no clue like yeah. if he even liked my letters or not. I was probably, I was like, I came across, probably came across like really weird. But I was like, oh, whatever. At least he's getting words. Yeah. Those spiders, and I'm not a person that's bothered by spiders. I am by snakes. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but uh, spiders don't tend to bother me. Those uh those camel spiders are wicked fast. Yeah. Oh, doesn't even look like it. Yeah, yeah. and they're well, not as big as some of the pictures that mm. you see, but um, they are wicked fast. Yeah. yeah, no fun. No fun. No fun. When did you get into jujitsu? Um, gosh, that's when I started working doing massage, and so I was at the MMA gym. So that would have been like two thousand and twelve, thirteen. I was doing um, I massage in the back of this jiu-jitsu gym and at CrossFit and kickboxing and stuff. And this one of the coaches, like, I do this, um, it's called gua sha, which is like a scraping technique to get blood flow. And um, it just is, it's, I use like Chinese soup spoon. There's other like more, I don't know, expensive tools you can use, but this guy like leans over the boxing ring and he's like, I heard you spoon people. <laughs> Cause like everyone in a gym has to be slightly inappropriate. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> For money. <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about the definition of this. Um, and so then um, I would give him a two hour massage and he would give me two hours of stand up and jujitsu. And he brought in one of his fighters. He was an MMA trainer. Um, fight trainer and so yeah and they were all man it's nothing like just being kind of slightly scared for two hours yeah. <laughs> it really makes you train hard and um yeah so it was a lot of fun it was like I was a kind of helping them out because they got like a free training session technically I don't know how much of a good of a partner I was but I realized like I didn't like getting punched in the face it right. wasn't something for me for sure you have to have like a little bit of like deep-seated anger for that <laughs> Not that I didn't. I mean, if Buck was probably there, it would have been a different thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I kind of got into the, like, gi form of jiu-jitsu, 
which adds a whole another element. And I liked it in the, it, it, it's, it's a very cranial exercise. Like you can just go lift weights and like not really have to think. But in jiu-jitsu, you're sort of in like semi-fight or flight mode or trying to at least keep yourself below that in a sense so that you can make intelligent decisions. Yeah. And, you know, it just takes a long time to figure out how to make those intelligent decisions without getting choked. Well, whether it's jujitsu or wrestling or, you know, any kind of fighting that I've been a part of, it's, it's a chess game and mm-hmm. you know, your body parts are the pieces. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's very much a, a thinking game and in wrestling, the smartest guys were always the scariest mm-hmm. and they could be built like a tube of toothpaste. Yeah. Um, and if they were super smart, you were in trouble. Yeah. They advanced really quickly. There was a couple guys like that and I was not the super smarter one. I just use my strength and agility. And I did the same thing. And, and we're, we're both smart people, <laughs> yeah. right? But if you have strength, it can be such a problem. It can. It can yeah. be such a problem. You're like, I'll use this instead yeah. of my brain. It's like, yeah. okay, I, I could, you know, look for that ankle pick. I could look for this half Nelson or I'm stronger than this guy. Yeah. I haven't eaten since last Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm super mad. I'm taking um, it through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least i never had to cut weight that was horrible oh dude you never needed to no oh no yeah. except her grandma she'd be like buck would come in after wrestling she's like oh buck you're so skinny and she's like oh but mona's not <laughs> <laughs> mona's healthy I, I knew that i'd taken it too far because grandma told me my entire life that i was too skinny and uh and then when i got back from uh, from the Marines and, you know, I hadn't done anything for 18 months. Right. You know, I'd been in the wounded warrior battalion, like in pool exercises <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of the medication mm-hmm. they put me on, I gained like 40 pounds right. in 30 days. It's just so brutal. But that was the first time that grandma didn't tell me that I was too skinny and I was like, <laughs> mm, took it too far. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, we really need to put some meat on your bones. Yeah. No, but she's still the only person you'll make a pie for in the morning. That was your right. idea. It was, but I mean, you got to, you got to, you know, yeah. I'll look at a piece of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about it. So this is the first, um, the first mm-hmm. podcast in the new studio, which is very much unfinished right now. I have the walls and the ceiling framed and sheeted. We've got the rough electrical in. Uh, we need to put in insulation and then uh, and then some sheeting and finish the electrical and then start uh, start decorating, I guess. Yeah. So really, it's like really far from being done. <laughs> I mean, in some ways it's far, but. No, uh, it'll go by fast once you get all the walls. Open, so. Yeah. What are you going to decorate it? You have all your animal heads you're going to put in here? There's some taxidermy that's going to live in here. Um but I want to keep it, you know, pretty clean and office-like and yeah, just comfortable. True. I've got a cool leather couch I'm going to bring in. I've got a cool desk that is going to come in here. Yeah. I was thinking about covering the walls in canvas, kind of making it look like a wall Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. I'll still have to sheet it. Otherwise, it'll look like the Michelin Man because the installation is going to puff out. Oh, yeah. That's true. Put um, OSB or drywall or something. It'll probably help with, like, the sound too, right? I think canvas will will make for a nice sound, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Get a hold of a wall tent company and uh, see if they can't cut me out some canvas. It'd be kind of fun. But what else are you working on? I like on? that idea. Um, right now I'm 
putting together a women's health program. Mm. That feels a little dangerous in Portland. Yeah. But I mean, well, you're in Vancouver. Now. I am in Vancouver, yeah. but I think people will buy it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've never had kids myself, but having had to go through the last couple of years of um, managing a 10 year old at home and sort of losing a little bits of yourself along the way in good and bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's a, there's a lack of support in women coming out of childbirth or out of any sort of either, you know, high intense situation. And whether it's like fitness, health coaching, massage, like I think um, a combination of all those things will help them hopefully like find who they are again and what they want to do and who they want to be and how they want to parent and how they want to live and, and support to do that. I think sometimes you just don't feel like, like they just hand you a baby and then they just like let you go home. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And Jesus, they're like, no Jesus worries. Take the wheel. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. And like, there's just so many like young moms and stuff out there that just don't like, yeah, they don't have any sort of support. And then like the physical recovery, there's no support. It's like, there's all this like post the pre stuff. And then afterwards they're like, figure it out. And I'm like, man, it's got to suck. So, yeah. And I think just trying to like get a little bit more conversation topic around like guilt which is like the primary emotion that women carry for like guilt of working too much, guilt of staying home too much. Like, Mm. you know, I don't know. It's just a, um, it's not a fun emotion to carry around. And I feel like a lot of people have it and don't deal with it well and, and how to get rid of it. I just want people to live like whole abundantly optimal lives. And um, I think having lived a lot and, and just, you know, part of the Nash family where, you know, we just know so much about everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why not spread the knowledge? Sure. Um, so, um, which is actually the opposite of life coaching. You're supposed to like help people pursue their own knowledge. And so I can't tell them what to do. I just have to like edge them along. Yeah. Yeah. Let them find the way. Help yeah. Them. Yeah. Which I guess is everything that we've done is like, you have to go through the process to learn it. You can't just. I don't recall ever getting taught like how to do stuff. There's a lot of right. like you need to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like here's a shovel. Right. Handles partway broken. Don't break it the rest of the way kind exactly. of deal. But there's a lot of just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the the primary way that we learned. Right. Almost everything. Yeah. No, for sure. You're just like, okay. How am I going to do this? Yeah. And it gets weird when you're around people that were told how to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the figure it out skill, I think, needs to get learned at an early age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's been interesting to be a stepmom to a, almost a young adult now and just trying to, like, empower him to to make decisions mm-hmm. and, and to feel confident in that or confident in, like, you know. Like, he's like, I want to play with matches. I'm like, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a right and a wrong way. He's like, can I cut that apple? I'm like, just don't cut yourself. Like, (laughs) Like, you know, I don't know. I think that there's like the helicopter parenting has its places, right? It might keep kids safer for the long run, but I don't know if they, you know, figure it out sooner or later. They're still going to have to cut the apple themselves at some point in time. Right. Yeah, the best is what he was like 10 and I sent him to the hardware store for batteries and he'd never gone into a store to like buy anything by himself. Mm. 
he was like so nervous but yeah. he went over he was like excited to do it he was like impressed that i let him do it and like, I was just so worried that I wasn't going to have enough money and then I wouldn't do it right. And like, he bought the most expensive batteries anyone could probably ever buy, but he got them. <laughs> good. Yeah. No, I'm super proud of him. He did a good job. I told him not to get, I was like, don't let anyone kidnap you. I was like, let's talk about how this goes. He's like, okay, I know. I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I know. I just saw. An interesting video from Denmark, and um, I saw some of this when I was in Norway too, but it really didn't register with me. Uh, they like to just culturally they uh, they leave babies outside to sleep a mm, lot, yeah. Um, and uh, and it's it's a normal thing to like see a bunch of um, babies in the little stroller carts that like outside of a grocery store, and their parents are mm-hmm. on the inside. You know, and obviously, you know, Scandinavia is a pretty, pretty safe place generally. And like, who's going to steal a baby? Right. Um, like, what are you going to do with it once you got it? But uh, yeah, that's just part of their deal that they like to let babies sleep in fresh air. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's, I mean, I sleep better in fresh air. I do too. <laughs> Especially my best mm-hmm. sleep is next to a rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. So on river yeah. trips. I always try to find a camping spot that's next to a rapid mm. rather than next to a pool. Right. And it's so good. Yeah. 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 Just listen to that river churn all night long. I do pretty well in the rain too. I do not like uh, the flapping of nylon in like mm. gale force winds <laughs> of a tent. Like that's, that's not quality sleep for me. No, no, I agree on that one. I think it's probably because I had such crappy gear growing up that it's like it wasn't you're just worried oh i don't know if my tent's gonna make right. it it's like your tent's not gonna make it yeah you're gonna be yeah. sleeping all the way outside here yeah pretty you're soon. like how wet am i gonna be in the yeah. morning yeah yeah but it was still fun like yeah we were always soaked and cold and you know rain jackets were just a trash bag right you know? i bought my first rain jacket a couple of years ago did you <laughs> i was proud of myself after living in like the rainiest <laughs> place in the country for the last decade that's funny how do you how do you like wearing a rain jacket you know, I don't know. I don't I, like. I don't like that. You you still get sort of wet. Like it's not like a. It doesn't really like either. You get condensation from your body heat wet, or like after a while, it just can't handle all the rain. I don't know. Yeah, I'd almost rather just get wet and then change clothes. There's been some huge advancements in in that type of fabric. That's I true. I don't buy like. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. I buy. It's actually I fit into a. a like a large child okay size gotcha so that's what i bought (laughs) um cryptic uses this Mm. fabric called shoulder Mm -hmm. and it um it's waterproof but it changes like the actual mesh changes diameters based on your body heat whoa so while you're walking around and you're warm the fabric gets bigger and it allows water from your body to force out really easily so wild. Um, and then as soon as you stop and you cool off, it tightens up and mm-hmm. then keeps water away from you. <sighs> that is so crazy. Isn't that amazing? Man. Like in a fabric. Yeah. It's like a so spaceship nuts. on your body. I know. Yeah. Well. I'm, I'm pretty spoiled because I yeah. get to use good stuff now. Yeah. Well, you put their name out there, so. No. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's out there. <laughs> I think people, people know it's, it's the best stuff going. <laughs> they don't need to hear it from me. I don't know. Uh, where's your next travel plan? Um, 
So that's you know, coming back here to the homeland. Yeah, the homeland is always a good one. I don't have a, a set one, except for, well, I guess I do. I uh, forgot about that. We have a family trip to La Paz, Mexico mm. in February. I've never actually been to Mexico. Baja? Yeah, it's like on the other side of Cabo. It's like other side of the peninsula on the yep. Pacific side. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to brush up on my Spanish, which, you know, having gone to a small town high school is pretty zero. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. Um, and then eventually I would like to go, um, I have a good friend who is working in the, trying to get kids out of sex trafficking in, um, Southern, South Africa. Okay. In Johannesburg area. And yeah. I'd like to go visit her. She was a cop in Nashville. Mm. I went back there one time and did a ride along with her in the midnight. Oh my gosh. Crazy people in Nashville. Wild. Although as crazy as Nashville is, I think we arrested like the nicest person Oh, that's good. Yeah, she had a warrant out. She didn't know she had a warrant out. And um, we put her in the back of the car, and she was, like, crying. She got out of the car. She's like, could you pull my shirt down? So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, do we really have to arrest this person? Which would tell, like, I would be a horrible cop. I'm like, just let her go home. She'll, yeah. go, she'll go to the court in the morning. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's something else that I think is a little bit different about people who grew up here. Our right and wrong is really defined by like our sense of good and bad mm -hmm. more so than legal and illegal right yeah so if if you see a good person um commit what is a crime you'd be like whatever probably right. need, probably needed to be done yeah um and I, I don't think the rest of the world looks at it that way <laughs> no. no i'm yeah as much as i kind of grew up very black and white a lot of everything's pretty gray yeah yeah <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. South Africa's pretty rugged. Yeah, is it okay if I go there? Are you all right with Just it? don't go tooling around <laughs> Joburg, you know? Okay. I'll be careful. All right. Well, and I will be with her, you know. She's, you're going a, to, she's an ex-cop. She's She knows what she's doing. You're going to Johannesburg, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, somewhere. Yeah, there. all right. I mean, you can come with me if you want. If I went, I would go to the <laughs> Eastern Cape and go hunting. <laughs> you have some nice wineries there. Ooh. Yeah. All right. There's uh there's some nice beaches, mm -hmm. a little bit of fishing. All yeah. right. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Or yeah. you know you could. You I'll know, tell her to meet me there. You could be a good person and go <laughs> try and prevent <laughs> sex trafficking of children. Uh, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> no, I don't. I doubt they'll let. It's pretty um, undercover, actually. So. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think. Yeah. So I don't think that they'd actually let me. Oh, that would be. I would find it interesting. I've heard that Portland, Oregon, is. Um, one of the worst cities in the U.S. for sex trafficking. I heard that too. Yeah. yeah, I don't doubt it for sure. Yeah, Russian is the third most spoken language in Oregon. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's wild, and people don't know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's an underground here that is still staying pretty well underground, hmm. except for truckers. Yeah. The Russian truckers are have very much outed themselves. I have a Russian trucker jujitsu friend, yeah. and I. It looks like he's been shot in the neck. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's probably been shot in the neck. Yeah. I don't actually, I, th I know he has a truck. It's very clear he has a truck, but I'm not really sure what he does with the truck. <laughs> truck stuff around, probably. <laughs> I don't know what stuff. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, although he would kill you with his bare hands. <laughs> no, actually, he's probably like one of the worst. Every time he shows up, everyone's like, oh, man. Yeah. He doesn't, he, he will kill you. Does, for sure. Doesn't have a good, uh, good governor. No, like, yeah, he's just, well, he's super strong. So if he can't make it work, he's just going to be super strong about it. Right. But, I mean, he's really nice to me, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> Are you still uh, practicing jujitsu? Um, I'm getting back into it. I got really out of shape over COVID, so now I need to get like back into shape because I have a purple belt. So and I'm a girl that's still relatively strong. Mm-hmm. So guys are like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we, especially if they've been mashed on by somebody else. If they finally get a chance to mash on somebody, so I just have to make sure that like my spine can handle mashing. Yeah, in my shoulders, and so, and then for I mean, I am a purple belt, but I also have what some people call a uh, black belt and trash talking. <laughs> so I just have to reel that in a little bit. In case you run into somebody who has a black belt in Yeah, an actual black yeah, belt. Yeah. Or they're just bigger and stronger than me, which is typical of almost everyone that I roll with. So yeah. I can't be a smart ass anymore. I have to get a little bit stronger first. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe that will lead the horse to water. <laughs> I blame all of that on my brother. I mean, it took me probably a good two years of doing jujitsu before I stopped thinking about pulling people's leg hair and like possibly biting them <laughs> unnecessary. That was the only way I could get out of Buck's wrestling moves. Yeah. Because there wasn't any tapping. Sure. It, I mean, if I definitely remember my spine thinking, this isn't going to work. I don't, my spine does not go that way. And, you know, Buck's like manacle laugh when he gets you in spots like that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he's still a little bit techless right between some ribs. Yeah. And then the the skin on the back of his knee is pretty tender. Okay. It's a good pinching spot. I mean, it's all about leverage, right? You oh, got to yeah. find those spots. Yeah. Find, find the chinks. It was really weird, though, being in a jiu-jitsu roll, thinking I should just pull this leg out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd get you, get you unpopular. Oh, man. Quick. Yeah. And probably choked real fast. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Your style of massage is... Uh, <laughs> that's only because you you hadn't been massaged you kind of glossed over it you're like oh i did like this spoon scraping thing like i don't remember that part i don't think i did that yeah uh brutal (laughs) like bruises for days like blood vessels (laughs) ripping apart looks like i have a road rash well, that's because you're so tight. Like, I had to get a lot of work done while yeah. you were... I mean, you just, you know... Like, once every two like or three if, years, if, I yeah, get enough courage you, to go in there. If and, you came in more consistently, it <laughs> wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> um, so, t- tell me more about that. Like, what's actually going on when somebody's getting a deep tissue massage and getting limbs moved around in a way that feels like the muscles are tearing? Right. Um, well, I like to call it like muscle stripping actually. So like when you're skinning an animal, you'll see all that like fascia, like white covered colored stuff around the muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, a lot of times the, that fascia gets stuck together. So like your lat and your teres major, which is another shoulder stabilizer do the same movement, but they should work separate from each other. Okay. And so a lot of times they'll get locked into each other. So I'll try to like find the septum that runs in between those muscles and sometimes it just feels a little bit like tearing. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it I like it. It's sort of like yeah. saran wrap that gets bunched up and you have to like try to spread it back out yeah. or like getting cobwebs out that are really, you know, not soft anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah. That is interesting. That fascia, you can actually make a glue out of that stuff Man, from, yeah. from animals. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Body Worlds when it was in at OMSI. Mm-hmm. And like really, like almost the whole human form will still maintain its shape if you take all the muscle and bone out with fascia because it surrounds everything. Interesting. And um, yeah, so it's a lot of just trying to get like blood flow back to that through muscles. And yeah, it's, it's 
usually I'm, I'm trying to affect that more than I actually am the muscle. Right. And that blood flow, it's crazy to me to think that a body could, could not be functioning in a way that it was getting blood to everywhere it needed to right. be. But yeah. I've definitely felt it when you've like really cranked on something and then you can see it. You can see the the red right. shoot through the whole area mm-hmm. and it's like this, this has been starved for everything that blood carries for a right. long time. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Whether it's getting stuff out or putting stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, if you're not moving, you moving and using it, your body's like, okay, we'll lock it down. We can send this someplace else. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, I really want that jar on the top shelf. And it's like, nope. That's the move. Can't reach it. I've had more friends <laughs> like throw their backs out bad reaching uh, for a jar of peanut butter. Yeah. Than by lifting a couch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those upward overhead reaches, like a lot of people have a lot of stuff that goes wrong in their shoulder because they just don't do it every day. So yeah. you just gotta you just gotta do it every day. Archers that shoot a lot end up with some really asymmetrical things going on in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And some of the skeletons of old English archers Mm. have been found. And they were drawing tremendously heavy bows, bows that were over 100 pounds of draw weight. Some of them close to 200 pounds of draw weight. Yeah. And their skeletons um, are are malformed because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they've got, you know, their bow arm pushing and their draw arm pulling. And even like their their chest cavities were were different on one side versus another and they could tell who the longbowmen were mm. based on their skeletons. That's wild, yeah. Um so for guys and gals that are shooting a bow and they're pulling on one side and pushing on the other side, mm-hmm. um, what can they be doing to to keep their body from twisting? Right. Well, A, like you want to warm up with a twist, right? I think that that's one of the most important parts is like a lot of times our spines don't get a good warm up for that. Um, so like for most everything I do, I make sure I try to get a, a twist into my spine first. The um, they, They're called proprioceptors. I call them little Pac-Man because that's what it looks like in my head. Mm. But they're in your spine. So they start talking better when your spine's twisting and moving first. So they like send signals up to your brain being like, oh, hey, this is going to happen. Like this has happened. Like let's guard here. Let's let's release here. And then um, for the asymmetry part, like I would just you just have to cross train. There's a lot of like banded cross training things. Like if you put a band on a pole and just pull it with the other arm, right? Like just doing the opposite movement. And um, that's what a lot of my workout is if. I'm trying to undo something that I just did. I just do, I just, yeah, get the opposite muscle to fire. And then you just have to kind of like rebalance your body. But a lot of times it's having to do that, like kind of boring (laughs) work of undoing stuff that it's not, it's not as fun as shooting a bow, right? Sure. And so you could get a left-handed bow, take 10 shots with each. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That would, I would so miss. I can't even brush my teeth left-handed. I have to move my head back and forth. Yeah, I try it every once in a while just to see. Brutal. One thing that really helps prevent injuries in archery is if um, people with their bow arm drop their shoulder down. Mm -hmm. A lot of people let their shoulder come up, and then it can collapse and move towards Uh, their ear. Yeah, yeah. But if you drop it down, then it stays in place, and it seems like that rotator cuff is much more protected. Mm -hmm. And the other happy thing with that is it's a more consistent way to draw your bow and oh, it's yeah. much steadier and you can hold your hold your bow up a lot yeah. longer the shoulder is all about the scapula if yeah. your scapula is not locked into your rib cage your shoulder is going to 
take some sort of brunt, whether yeah. it's a pull of the rotator cuff or, yeah, inconsistent shooting. Um, yeah, there's some really good, like, cross-body movements to get that kind of pulled down. I can yeah. show you if you want to. Okay. Yeah, do it. <laughs> do it. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice because you're good at this stuff. If gals want to uh, want to get a hold of you for, for your women's health thing, how do they mm-hmm. do it? Um, the best is just to go to my website right now, which is musclemo.com. Okay. I did not come up with this name. My <laughs> IT guy came up with this name. <laughs> but it works. I'm like, hey, if you understand technology and how domains work, I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, they, there's my email and phone number and all that kind of stuff on there. And you still doing massage too? Yeah. No, I've been super busy with massage, which has been great. Are you taking new clients or should they just buzz um, off? Yeah, they just have to. Yeah, no, I can still take new clients. I just got to give me enough advance or, okay. yeah, to fit them into my my schedule. Because I only work every other week which, or every other day, which is helps my hands kind of recover and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, usually when you come out to visit, I can send you home with some elk meat, but you're a little early in the season for me this year. Jeez Louise, Where, what's wrong? Where's your freezer? Don't you have anything from last year? Uh, no, <laughs> pretty well ate it, man. Um, yeah, I think I got no, some I think leftover the, I think salmon. the pepperoni is still my favorite. The mm. Pepperoni's, pepperoni's a crowd pleaser. Man, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with the pepperoni. Yeah, I think that was the only way my husband married me, actually, is I brought that pepperoni sticks oh. to work one time. Yeah. And I was like, hey, do you want one of these? He's like, oh, sure. And then, like, bam, he's like, hey, do you want to get married? No. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful who I give those things to then. <laughs> Well, good catching up with you, Mona. Likewise. You're a hell of a human. Thank you. Likewise to you. All right. I'm working on building a house this year, which is something that I know nothing about. And I love that. It's exciting. Uh, Everything is a new challenge and there's lots of challenges that pop up. The other day, we're laying out rebar and getting ready to pour concrete for the foundation of the shop that's going to be next to the house. And one of the guys that was there that was helping, one of the construction crewmen, I looked over and he had a Stanley thermos sitting on the end of the trailer. I said, how do you like that thing? And he goes, oh, I love it. I've had it for a decade. Like, you know, if you find any environment where people are out there working hard, working hard with their hands outside, no matter the conditions, you're probably going to see a Stanley product there. It's something that just goes with that blue collar labor because that's what this product is doing. It is out there working just as hard as you are. It's going to be there as long as you are. It's going to be there after you're done. It's something that that I feel passionate about with every piece of gear that I take either into the woods or into the workplace. Like It's got to be able to outwork me and I work really hard myself. If you are also a hard worker, and I'm sure that you are, then you could probably appreciate the same type of gear. If you go to stanley1913.com and you use the discount code six ranch. That's the number six and the word ranch. You can get 25% off just about any of their products. And I encourage you to do that. They're a great supporter of this show and a great supporter of this audience. Again, I love you guys. And I just want to pass this, uh, this discount and the savings on to you. If you want something from Stanley, I encourage you to get it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. 
For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.